This is a GRDC podcast. Hi there, I'm Hilary Sims. Australian growers are all too familiar with flaxleaf fleabane. It's one of our most challenging weeds to control, thanks to its increasing resistance to herbicides and its ability to produce over 100,000 seeds per plant. But fortunately, there's a new control option available to bolster fleabane integrated weed management strategies. It's a biocontrol agent, in this case, a rust fungus, that's come all the way from Colombia in South America, fleabane's country of origin. The work has been carried out by the CSIRO as part of a wider project on weed biological control being led by AgriFutures Australia and funded by the Australian Government Department of Agriculture, Fisheries and Forestry as part of its rural R&D for profit program. There's also been co-investment from CSIRO, GRDC and the New South Wales Biocontrol Task Force. The scientific process for getting the rust approved for release in Australia is quite the story. So to talk us through it, I'm joined by two CSIRO researchers that have been central to the success of this project. Fleabane has been here for many, 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 many decades and it's become integrated into the Australian environment, including obviously cropping systems. But what fleabane has not had here is its co-evolved fungal pathogen. So fleabane has been divorced from this fungal pathogen for such a long time. And and what we are doing is reintroducing and reconnecting a naturally co-evolved relationship. So it's bringing the biology back to fleabane. And I find that really fascinating. That's CSIRO's Dr. Ben Gooden, based in Canberra. He's tasked with coordinating the release of the fungus into the environment by collaborating with interested farmers and landholders across Australia. There is stewardship and custodianship here around the fungus. And our role now is to work with farmers and the fungus to answer those questions about where best to release it, how to release it, what the outcomes will be. Certainly not a silver bullet. At best, the fungus will offer valuable complementary outcomes to traditional ways of managing weeds, herbicide application, managing your crop, crop density, rotational grazing, whatever it might be. We need to find out how best the fungus can fit within that framework to best integrate. So Ben, it's exciting that that's the stage you're at now, but let's talk about how we came to be in this position. Fleabane was identified about three years ago as a priority weed target for biological control research. How did the project get underway? It's a really good question and it's important to acknowledge at this stage that the CSIRO researchers, our background is really about that fundamental research in identifying what the, in inverted commas, natural enemy, so in our case a fungus, might be and undertaking all of the safety tests, the risk assessments to make sure it's safe in the Australian environment. But really going back to basics, the first step is to build that relationship with the agricultural sector. So in this case, that really important co-investment from GRDC and and other agencies as well who have made a valuable contribution. So once that foundation was set, and that's where we need to acknowledge the contribution from Dr Louise Morin, who worked with GRDC and other organisations to put those priorities together. But once those priorities are set, then the researchers spring into action. And that very first step is to go to what we term the native range of the weed, so where the weed is from, and in this case, South America. 
which is very different from the agricultural environments we have around the Riverino or the Darling Downs, for instance. But we have to go to South America and we work with partners, build international research linkages with researchers in, in this case, Colombia, to identify and explore for various different natural enemies that could be suitable candidate biocontrol agents for fleabane. And in this very specific case for this project, that was identified as a rust fungus of the genus Puccinia, which infects the leaves of fleabane. Interesting. So tell me more about this process you guys went through to bring this Colombian biocontrol agent to Australia. Once the candidate biocontrol agent that looks most promising is identified, we then apply for an import permit to the federal government to then bring the agent or the candidate agent at this point into Australian quarantine. So here at Black Mountain at CSIRO, we maintain one of the few high security containment facilities in the country where those risk assessments, which we term host specificity testing, can be undertaken to identify and ensure that the fungus is safe in terms of not infecting and reproducing on native Australian or other important plants in the Australian context. Now, that can take several years. It's rigorous testing. It's done in a highly contained and safe environment. The ultimate aim being, can we answer this question? Is the fungus safe for release into the Australian environment in terms of any risk it might pose to these non-target plant species? This rigorous testing at the high security quarantine facility was carried out in part by CSIRO's Dr. Gavin Hunter. Gavin also played a pivotal role in writing up the release application that resulted in the Australian regulator approving the release of the rust as a biocontrol agent. I asked Gavin how it felt to receive the rust sample from Colombia and what testing procedures looked like within the quarantine facility walls. So it's always an exciting time when we get a candidate agent into the quarantine facility. We take it into the cubicle and as part of that process we have to develop a comprehensive host test list. And in doing that we have to understand the phylogenetics or the, the taxonomic position of the target weed and then identify other plant species that are closely related to that target weed and then develop a host test list which covers a good breadth of the genus or the family so that we can include those species in the testing and the quarantine. Once you've developed the host test list, we then go through a process where we acquire the plant material that is representative of the species on the test list. We propagate them up in the glass house and then we test them in the quarantine facility against the fungus. And I guess it's important for us to also understand the life cycle of the fungus which spore types we're going to target in using to test with the various plant species. Fortunately, Louise Moran has developed a set of methodologies which works really well in quarantine. So we're kind of hit the ground running and work through that to the test list. The initial test list maybe was about 40 or 41 species, but in the end we were able to source additional species. So we ended up testing about 50, 51 non-target species for the pathogen, which is really good. So... Gavin, you just mentioned how important it was to understand the life cycle of the fungus when you carried out this work. What is the life cycle of this fungus? In this case, this species produces one spore stage, so it's called a microcyclic rust fungus in general terms, and that spore stage is the teliospores. And these teliospores are produced in telia, 
on the leaf surface. And then when the environmental conditions are conducive, those teliospores will produce a basidium, which eventually produces four basidiospores. And so these basidiospores are tiny, colorless little spores that can be moved to other plant material via the wind or rain. And when they land on the, the leaf material, they germinate and they subsequently enter the leaf and then grow and you know carry on the life cycle. So when we're using that in the quarantine facility, we will target the telia to produce the basidia spores that'll then go onto the leaves of the non-target species. And then we'll take it from there to determine if there's any infection occurring. And now, Ben, you've been showing me around the lab facility today where the research has taken place and we've seen the rust fungus thriving on some fleabane samples that you've got here. Can you please describe what it looks like for those that haven't seen it before? It's quite a charismatic little fungus. It sounds strange to say that I have been working with the fungal pathologists for the last couple of years and and you do learn to love these little fungi. Now, in terms of this Puxinia specifically, it is quite characteristic and diagnostic once the infection takes hold within the leaf. So when Gavin was describing there that initial infection stage, the spore will land on the leaf, that spore will germinate, the leaf will become infected. At that early stage, the infection process is microscopic. So we don't necessarily see that. But as the infection progresses through the leaf, the leaf begins yellowing off then you start getting this speckliness on the leaf. And uh, these little speckles, for want of a better term, these are termed lesions. And this represents the final stage of reproduction for the fungus. So what that will look like in a broad sense is you have a leaf that has begun to yellow off and then you start getting these erupted little black spots all over the leaf, dark coloured spots. And that's the end of the life cycle for the fungus when new spores will be produced to then spread to a nearby plant to initiate new infection. And you talk about the leaves, but can the whole plant be infected? The answer to that question in a general sense is yes, there is the opportunity for that to happen, but really only under the best conditions that are most conducive to fungal infection. Really, any part of the plant which is green, so the photosynthetic part of the plant, including the stems and including some parts of the flower heads, yes, they're susceptible to infection if the conditions are right. And those conditions, and when we did the testing in the quarantine, it's, it's really perfect conditions, it's ideal conditions. So we would see that infection occurring on all of those parts of the plant. So whether that'll happen in the field um, is really dependent on the environmental conditions. And that's a really important part of our work now, moving from a lab environment into a field environment, because in a lab environment, of course, we work under those optimal conditions because we need the fungus to be working at its most optimal. In a field, of course, those conditions exist, but not all the time. Our aim now is to begin understanding when we release the fungus in the environment, say in a cropping system in the Riverina, under what conditions will it work most optimally? And if over the next year we can begin building a picture of what that optimal setting is, we can begin improving the way that we work with farmers to advise them under what conditions are best to release the fungus. And that's really where the focus of this project is now, isn't it? Comprehensive lab work has proved that this fungus only infects fleabane. The regulators have approved it. So now to get it into paddocks, how is this going to play out? So over the next year, our aim is to do two things. The first is to start building those healthy linkages with farmers on ground, and that's what's been so fantastic and valuable to work with GRDC to really give us those linkages there. 
and start inviting farmers to participate with us in those on-farm trial releases. The second aim, of course, is to get the fungus established and through monitoring over the next year, learning uh, lessons, I suppose, which will help us optimise what those release methods will be into the future. We know that the fungus is not going to establish well everywhere all the time, but that's valuable information because we need to contrast where it establishes well with areas where it doesn't under certain conditions. That's the research. That will help us optimise in future, advising farmers about where, when and how to release the fungus to increase chances of successful establishment. Well, it really is exciting. Gavin, firstly to you, what excites you most about this biological control research and what's been achieved so far? I think for me personally, it's just, you know, be able to work with these pathogens in quarantine that come from overseas from the native range of the weed and to be able to show that they're host-specific enough that the regulator is going to approve their release into Australia to be, you know, a really good biocontrol agent. And then to see that research translated to the field and to work with the communities and then hopefully later to see an impact in the field so that your research is really having an end impact for the grower on the ground. For me, that's really rewarding and exciting as well. It's really now transforming how biocontrol research is done. Yes, we do all of the preliminary work by ourselves in a lab. It's all that kind of traditional lab-based work, but we're really translating this now mindfully with community. So it's building capacity from the bottom up. Now that will give us the opportunity to answer questions that farmers ask me, which is, well, do I still have to spray my crop with herbicide? The answer is yes, you do. So we will be working with farmers to improve integrated weed management, for instance. There are some areas where the fungus might work well, other areas where the fungus won't. That will help farmers identify, well, where should I use chemical, where should I not, and so on. So it's just adding another tool to the toolbox. So, you know, the potential of it is exciting, but of course the monitoring will reveal to us the longer-term benefits of the fungus. And I think there's also a degree of expectation management, you know, in these programs. Even though we identify a good agent, that comes from a native range, there's no guarantee that it's going to establish an Australian context. So that has to get out there as well. So even though the release is done really, really efficiently with community members and with growers, and we partake in that as much as we possibly can to get the agent out there as much as we can. So the agent has the best chance of establishment. At the end of the day, it's going to be the Australian environment that determines whether the agent's going to establish. Yeah, and that's right. I see this as that's the exciting bit. I don't see this as demoralising or anything because how this fungus integrates into the Australian environment, if it can, maybe it won't, but if it can, that's tantalising, that's exciting. That then is the value of the monitoring. So over the next year, when a fungus is released, we need to know how it's gone. The Australian environment, the Australian context is highly variable and we have all had to experience this over the last few years going from, you know, extreme drought in 2019, fires and now floods. The fungus will not perform, we know this already, the fungus cannot perform well all the time everywhere simply because of that variability. And so for that reason, it certainly will not be a silver bullet. It will function well in some contexts and it won't function at all in others. The more information we have, the more informed farmers can be about where to use the fungus that works best for them. That was CSIRO's Dr Ben Gooden and Dr Gavin Hunter, based in Canberra. 
They're part of a research team that's making a biological control agent available to Australian growers to help manage fleabane. This research is part of a project called Underpinning Agricultural Productivity and Biosecurity by Weed Biological Control, led by AgriFutures Australia and funded by the Australian Government Department of Agriculture, Fisheries and Forestry as part of its rural R&D for profit program. With co-investment from CSIRO, GRDC and New South Wales Biocontrol Task Force. I'm Hilary Sims and thanks for listening. Music